Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! Episode 46, last uh, podcast in the same room for a while. It's a shame. <laughs> I know, you're you're going to miss coming up to Burbank. There's no parking today. There's nothing. It's packed. What, what's going on around here? Uh, I guess uh, there's an animation expo going on uh, at the uh, Hilton up, up the road. Um, so I noticed that you opened with Superman as our theme song, and I'm wondering why. Because we're going to be talking about Justice League today. But Superman's, like, not even really in Justice League. He's in, like, five total minutes of screen time. But they need him. They can't beat him without him. I'm just, I'm curious, you know, look. Where do you, I guess we'll get into this this in a minute. We'll get into this in a minute. Okay. I I want your thoughts on the DC Universe. Because you're a little apologetic for some of these things. I am. Um... Do you have any notes before I, we get started? I have two notes. Okay. Um, I'm trying to look up our email that nobody probably... Oh, shit. Okay. Um, my first note is... So, in this whole Louis C.K. disaster that just happened... Yeah. I saw this guy posted online. He was work... He was, like, the art director on Louis C.K.'s, like, um, animated show he was doing... And he wrote, like, he sent this letter to him and, um, and, like, then posted a picture of it online, really just digging in, like, you know who else you hurt? You, because you can't keep it in your pants, you hurt all the people that work with you, we have families, and now we're out of jobs before the holidays because of you. Dude, they got paid. I know. I'm sure they're gonna do some sort of settlement. They're not just going to go, all right, the show's done. You're not, they're going to give him a few weeks payment. So he ends it by saying the bigger point is all the frustration that we're going through is nothing compared to what these women have gone through thanks to you. And then post it online. I don't know this guy, but I fucking hate this guy for that. And I don't, I don't, not, and I'm not on anyone's side in this. You know, I'm not like pro Louis C.K., but like, like, Stay in your lane, Francis Giglio. You know? Yeah. Like, this... <laughs> Maybe have a, an internal thing. Yeah. There's no need to post this whole thing online and then, you know, stupid news like organizations pick it up, put it online. I know. The news organizations are, like, itching for this shit. Yeah. Right now. So this guy's, like, he knows he can jump on the sensationalism of it. I'm sorry. I just feel that's, uh, that's crummy. All right. Um, that's my first note. I forgot to turn off all my noisemakers. Oh. So, I will, uh, while you're talking, I will... Well, you're going to want to pay attention to this next story, because this one's up your alley. Have you ever heard of a man named Andrew Carlson, with two S's? No. Andrew Carlson is a guy who apparently, in 2003, um, 
invested in a bunch of like super high risk stocks all at one time and they all wound up hitting and he wound up making million he went from eight hundred dollars to three hundred and fifty million in two weeks. No, I didn't hear this. And, well, it's because it may not be true. But okay. um he got caught and they were like, Alright, this is obviously insider trading, what's going on? And he's like, No, I came from two hundred years in the future and uh I I'm a time traveler. And they're like, yeah, whatever, dude, you're crazy, turn it in. And then they were taking, you know, they went to take him to his arraignment, and he disappeared. And no one's ever heard or seen him him ever since. And there was no record of him. Now, it's all very tantalizing. I like this. But we got to follow this guy. Get him on the podcast. You can't can't find him anywhere. Um, Because it happened in 2003, and no one's ever seen him or heard from him since. And then there's like they found a picture of him somewhere else in history. Um, now I, I saw a little video on it, and I was like, "Oh, this is good. I'm bringing this up on the podcast." And then I started diving into it. People were like, "Oh, that's just a fake story from like a tabloid newspaper." So there's some murkiness to the credibility of this. But I like the story. I I can post a link, you know, so everyone can see this guy. Who supposedly traveled? Yeah, I watched uh, a little bit of that Future Man show, which uh, when we talk about disaster artists, the only reason I watched it is because Seth Rogen was talking about it. How he had this new show out that was basically a time travel show. It's basically uh, the Last Starfighter, the same exact thing where he wins this game and then they come and take him back in time. But he they they. I've only watched a couple episodes, but there was this really funny thing that they were talking about that seems like, yeah, this was kind of funny. It's like, if you went back in time and changed everything leading up to the future, so you know like in all these time travel movies, they they go back to the future to their normal time and it's all changed? Mm -hmm. That means that every conversation and run-in you've had up until that point is different. Right? Right. So... You being in, you're going to have to basically fake every conversation you've ever had with every person in your life because you do not know what you talked about with them leading up to that point. Oh. So he keeps like running into all these people and they're talking about different things and then he like goes, this is exhausting. I mean, Marty McFly would have to like fake every conversation (laughs) like he's ever had in his life in order to keep up. Um. I thought that was pretty funny, but yeah. Well, we'll, uh, we'll follow up and see what we can come up with about time travel. Yeah, I gotta. We, we gotta find out about this guy. Get him on the podcast <laughs> again. He doesn't exist anymore. He went back to two hundred years. In the I future. think I could find him. Okay. Um, what do you got? Uh, the only I have two notes. The only thing I uh, have you seen this trailer for the Road movie? I don't think so. All right, this movie's coming out in January. It's uh basically all Russian dash cam footage of like crashes and like road rage and all this stuff. It looks crazy. I mean, it's real stuff. It's not yeah. acted. Okay. I don't know how they got all the rights to all this footage, but uh, it looks insane. There's like road rage where guys are like jumping on the hood of cars and someone's flooring it while he's on there on the roof on the hood. 
Uh, it looks pretty crazy. I don't know if I'll see it in the theater, but I gotta watch that movie. Okay. And then, uh, as far as movies go, I told you a little bit about this, but I saw like what I think is my one of my favorite movies this year uh, yesterday. Oh, we gotta talk about your gala too. But we'll, we'll, we'll when we get to Disaster Artist, forgot about your gala. Uh, but I saw Jim and Andy yesterday. Fucking thing was amazing. Yeah, I can't wait. It's uh, a documentary about Jim Carrey when he was doing Man on the Moon, and he like his process where he basically lived as Andy Kaufman like the whole time they were shooting, and he like interact. It's it's fascinating and it's also kind of weird uh, because like he never broke character and he was like as Andy and no one knew how to act. So they had this documentary crew, which was actually like filmed by. His Andy Kaufman's girlfriend, who's played by Courtney Love in, in the movie, um, filming the whole thing. And so he, like, surrounded himself with all these real people from Andy's life, like, like the guy who plays Tony Clifton when he's, like, doing the rouge of, uh, you know, he'll show up and he goes, oh, that's not me, you know? Um, and the weird stuff is, is, like, the family members, like... Andy Kaufman's sister. We'll talk more about it maybe next week when you watch it. But, uh, like, his sister and family members, like, come up to be around him and, like, get really emotional. Like, he's talking to them as Andy. And he he, he told the story. Jim Carrey tells the story about how Andy Kaufman had this daughter that neither of them knew about each other. It was, like, out of wedlock. And she found out that that was her dad, but couldn't, by the time she... Basically, he was dead by the time she was able to, like, talk to him. So she goes to the set. She hears from the family members about what's going on. She hears and goes to the set. Andy, or Jim Carrey, takes her in the trailer and talks to her father and daughter for an hour and a half. And talking about how, like, he loves her and all this stuff. And axes Andy. And he goes, yeah, that was a weird, that was, that was strange. So we don't need to see it. You're just going to tell us everything no, that happens in the movie. That's all I'm going to say. There's a lot of... The whole movie is footage. Okay. I understand. I saw the trailer. That's pretty awesome. So we'll talk about it next week when uh, you get Or to- we could just finish the rest of the plot right now if you want. Dude, I brought up one thing. You're okay. not good at this. You're not good at... at you're I not... Brought, brought up one thing. You, you're not good... Before I we... I just want to tell you, you're not good at telling people... Your feelings about something without giving at least one thing away. You just you're physically incapable. I'm setting of doing it up. It. You need to watch. You it. didn't set anything up. You told us an anecdote of a, probably a pretty big point in the movie. Just watch the movie. It's Look, pretty awesome. I I didn't stop you because I knew you're going to do it. I I I can brace myself to know that you're going to ruin some aspect of a movie. There's a lot me. of stuff if in you that movie that I, I have not ruined. I understand that. But why ruin any of it? I didn't ruin it. I was just telling you. He goes into more detail about some stuff. I'm gonna. I have to think of a movie I saw that you haven't seen that you want to see that I can ruin for you. No, we don't want to do that. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I'll wait till off the air because I'm not going to do it to our audience. Disaster artist. So in our. Uh, Into all your notes. Yeah, that's my okay. notes. So all the screenings. Uh, Speaking of somebody who immerses himself into another character, uh, or does like method, 
uh, acting. Uh, we're going to talk about the disaster artist. Last week you went to a gala. And we haven't heard about the gala yet. Well, that's you know that's one of the things I like about James Franco. Like he becomes the character like that too, but like he doesn't take it so seriously. Do you know what I mean? Like he does while he's doing it, but he realizes how ridiculous. You know, he can laugh at himself about the fact that he does that. You know, I don't think Jim Carrey necessarily could laugh at himself for doing that until now. Like, years later, now he's gotten past it. Um, so the gala was really, it was just a screening and then a party at the Roosevelt after with free drinks. Well, that, I think that was the premiere. Yeah. So they were all so there. Yeah, I saw it in the, in the IMAX. In the Chinese the theater. One. Yeah. Um, and... Um, let me ask you a question. When you go to these screenings and they're at theaters, they provide you with free refreshments. They they list out all like the sodas yeah, and popcorns. Yeah. Is it bad to take two popcorns? Is that bad form? Because they're giving you smalls. So you went and grabbed two. I only grabbed one. My friend grabbed two, but he grabbed the second one for me because I just was too chicken to grab it myself. Yeah, you should probably just take one. Like we walk and then back, you, you go back. Maybe when yeah, everyone right. sees you, and then you go down a different aisle so they don't, so the <laughs> people don't realize that you keep going back. Because like we walked down to our seats, and he had two bags of popcorn. The guy's like, "You getting ch- so enjoying the free refreshments?" Oh, you know, they got called out. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of subtle, but I was like, "Ah, oh, man." Um, but yeah, the gala was cool. There's like, um. It was full of like all people from the movie and like a lot of comedy people everywhere, and all the uh, real people were there. Yeah, so like Tommy Wiseau was there, and the act, the guy, the, the his buddy, the actor guy was there. Yeah, um, yeah I saw. I went the next night, and they had a Q and A, which I have a bunch of notes from the Q and A that I'll talk about in a little bit. But he was saying that uh, Seth Rogen was saying that the real Chris R was there, who was played by. Um, uh, what's his name from Baywatch? Uh, oh, um, Zach Efron. Yeah, played by Zach Efron, and Seth Rogen went up to him and was like, "Was that what it's like? What it was like on set?" And he's like, "Oh yeah." He's like, "That little that kid fucking shit his pants." <laughs> I was like, so hardcore when I came to that scene. Zach Efron was probably the best. That was probably the best like cameo guy. Like, he was like so good in it. Yeah, uh, for what it, the little part that he was in, um, but uh, he was not at the premiere. It was funny at this gala. Um, you was know, were you overdressed, underdressed? I was. I was um, on par. I was comfortable. Yeah, I was on par. Right. I was on par. Um, <laughs> I wore shoes instead of sneakers. That was a big move for me. Um, I could have gone away with the sneakers, but other than that. Um, but no, it was, uh, it was funny because I, I hadn't seen my friend who I went with in a long time and he and I were just like kind of catching up and we're just mostly talking about entertainment world stuff. And it's really hard to talk about that without talking about like sexual assaults. So here we are in this room or not even like the room. It's like this hotel, you know, the Tropicana and the lobby. It's like running all throughout the Roosevelt and we're just finding corners in each room to like talk about sexual harassment in the, and I'm like, we're like, we probably 
should not be talking about this here. Because what is he talking about? We don't know who any of these people are. We're just like, hey, it's kind of messed up that that guy did that. And it's <laughs> kind of messed up that oh, I heard this about that person. You know, like that kind of stuff. And then you're like, this is probably the worst place on earth to be talking about this right yeah, now. people don't want to talk about it. Well, we're not involving other people. No, I know, but, but like, they don't want to hear it. It, but like, you could be standing next to me, and I don't know you. You could be like Kevin Spacey's agent. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't have the first idea, and I'm like, Dad Spacey's a prick. You know, like, uh, it was just funny because it was it's such a it's such a topic in life right now. Like, it's almost you know it, it winds up finding its way into conversation a lot. So it was. Uh, just catching yourself talking about it and being like, oh, shit, this is probably not the right place. <laughs> um, but uh, my favorite sighting was Nathan Fielder. Fielder. Fielding? Yeah. Nathan uh, Fielding? No, no, not the guy from... No, Nathan. Nathan for you. Yeah. What's his last name? I thought it was Fillion or something. Oh, no, no, no. That's the guy from, like, yeah. those whatever... Uh, Show that's from like the show. Well, he's, the, a, he's, yeah. So Nathan for you. Yeah, I love that guy. I think he's I like the seen funniest guy season. ever. Have you seen, have you I saw the first episode where he brought back a bunch of people, and one of the people he brought back is a guy I know, who was um, he actually wound up hosting the show, and um, he's like a male model, the guy I know, and so he was just kind of getting, you know, they're just ripping on him again. Yeah. He was a good sport. I was kind of. Proud of my friend for being a good sport, you know. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, uh, the the movie. So I know I just yelled at you for giving away plots to movies, but that's kind of what we're going to have to do in our discussion. So if you're not, we have two movies coming up. They're going to be spoilerish, right? But I don't think that we're really spoiling. It, you know, I'm going to take a page out of your notebook and say we're probably not really spoiling anything for anybody. You should know what happens in both of them. Yeah. But, so the disaster artist. Yeah, disaster artist. Um, well, you want me to tell you a little bit about some of the stuff that came out of the Q&A before we talk about the movie itself? Sure. All right. So I, I took a bunch of notes. So um, the Tommy... When at the end of the movie, said his, his two favorite scenes, his two favorite scenes were uh, the scene at the end. Were his favorite scenes of the room or favorite the scenes? Of the, so can we just maybe before you get into this, let's just give a little background on what the disaster artist is. A lot of our friends and, and people who listen to us aren't from LA, so you wouldn't really know what the room was for the most part unless you're in LA. So let's give Which a little is like kind of like. Another question is, like, can you enjoy this movie if you haven't seen the original movie? Yeah. Which they did pretty well. Uh, they they did the interviews in the beginning of the movie with a bunch of celebrities who, like, are in love with the room. And they kind of explain why they love the room so much. Which uh, they... Right. So, all right. So, I'll explain. Because you aren't taking my cue. Um, <laughs> w- the Room is this movie. It's, like, uh, considered, like, the worst movie of all time. Right, so it's uh, it was made by this guy. But it wasn't made intentionally. Though. No, it was made right. And um, when you moved to LA or when you're in LA, there was like a giant billboard for it. I think it was on the Brea. And um, you know, you're like, "What is this movie? The Room?" And then you come to find out it's this like horrible movie, and this, it only played in one theater. But 
it picked up a cult status to where they started playing it once a month in this theater uh, on, a, on a Friday night at midnight or Saturday night at midnight. And people would come and it turned into like this Rocky Horror Picture thing where they took jokes and props and, yeah. you know, and it became like this immersive experience to, to watch with a crowd where you're like yelling at the at the screen and it's... It was the first time we went. It was super fun. Second time wasn't as good because we. I was telling Aaron and I were talking about this last night. Um, the first time I went, we had like a good leader guy. The guy was like really leading the crowd, yes. and he was funny. He was making the right. His timing was great. And then the second time I went, there wasn't really a leader guy, and everybody's trying to be funny, and they're all stepping on each other's lines. Um, How we, many times have you seen it? Twice. How about you? Three. Okay. Um, but so it was like this thing you'd do on like weekend. We'd go out, we'd have some drinks, and then at midnight, go over to this movie theater, and we'd all and go it'd watch be like the room. Playing, it eventually got so big, it was playing like in five theaters. Yeah, and they'd all be sold out. Yeah. Because it was like, word around town, this thing is great. And the guy shows up all the time. Yep. He was always there, and uh, yeah. And um, because, you know, no one thought that this would ever. It was made for. Like five million, six million bucks, and no one ever he, you know, who knew that he was ever going to get his money back? And then all of a sudden, like it ended up because of all this cult screenings, it's made its money back, and it's actually turned a profit. So the disaster artist, uh, the movie is about the making of the room and this whole. It comes from a book from the guy who plays the second lead in the movie, who uh, ended up writing about the experience after. Right. And he was like his best friend from San Francisco who uh, moved down to L.A. to be, you know, to be in his movie, you know, to become an actor. These two, like, terrible actors decided to just make a movie so that they could act, basically. So, that's the genesis of this movie. So, in the movie, James Franco plays Tommy Wizu or whatever you say it, the director... He's like a weird character. Yes. He, you don't know what country. He's, he's never said how old he is or what country he's from. People still don't know. Um, and his brother, um, uh, what's his, Dave Franco plays the best friend. Um, okay. So they, yeah, and the movie's about making this movie and then the eventual premiere and, and da 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 da. So I feel like we did a good job that summarizing good. what it's about. That was good. So, so give us some of your. Your stuff. Uh, okay, so Tommy's favorite scenes in the movie were the ending where the premiere. Okay. You know? And then he said, my second favorite scene was the pool scene. Where, and James Franco's like, the pool scene? Like when Dave Franco defends the movie from his girlfriend, who's like, what if it sucks? He liked that because Dave Franco, or Jay, Dave Franco, like, was defending the movie. It's not going to suck, and she's talking about taking it off IMDb and all this stuff. Um, so another thing that came out was, I guess, James Franco. We were just talking about Jim Carrey basically becoming the character at all times. So James Franco did the method thing where he was directing the movie as the character that he was portraying as directing the movie in the movie. And he was always... And he's like... Seth Rogen's like, I hate this. He's like, this is the worst shit I've ever seen. He's like, we would have to, like, take people aside and tell them that this is, like, the most bizarre thing. Like, Hannibal Burris. 
He's like, I took Hannibal Burris aside. And I was like, dude, you don't know what you're walking into. He's like, this shit is weird. <laughs> so, uh, and James Franco never broke character. So, like, he'd be on set and he'd, like, yell cut. And none of the crew would know, know if, like, it was him saying cut on set or if it was the character saying cut within the movie. Um, and then the last thing, uh, or two more things. So Brandon Trott, who was uh, the uh, DP on it, on all the scenes that they actually like recreated from the room, said like had to recreate the lighting and shit, and like he'd be walking around with like an iPad, like how did he get a light over here? Like he's trying <laughs> to like, because at the end of the movie they show you the pieces side by side of the real movie and the stuff that they shot. Which is really probably the best part of the movie when they show you it side by yeah. side because even even if you've seen the room and you're watching the sab, you're like, this is kind of an exaggeration of what it really was. And then you watch it and it's not. Yeah, it's like the exact... From the mo- movements to everything. To like facial expressions. And then uh, Tommy also said that he liked it 99.9%. And James Franco asked him what he didn't like. And he said he didn't like the lighting in the beginning of the movie. He's like, all right. This guy's telling me he doesn't like the lighting. Um, His movie's a disaster. He's telling me that the lighting's bad. But, uh, yeah, so that's kind of like the things that came out of it. Um, It was mostly a lot of talk of... James Franco doing the method stuff where, you know, he was playing the character as while directing the movie. Um, and not a, peop- not a lot of people knew how to react to that. So so what were your thoughts on the movie itself? Okay, so I, I mean, I liked it. I liked, uh, I thought James Franco was awesome. Yeah, James Franco was really good. Um, so last night for those of you who know Aaron Scott our friend Aaron Scotland I got to actually hang out with him for a night he's not listening I know he's not I'm not talking about him he but, was on but two 16 hour plane flights and couldn't like couldn't download our podcast one podcast <laughs> to listen see what his friends are up he's, to he's been to Australia three times this year and has yet to listen to a podcast <laughs> um <laughs> no but, but he like, doesn't have an hour to spare on the 16 hour flight <laughs> he's a busy guy um but he uh, he saw it and he loved this movie. I actually, it was really good. To, for those of you who know him, we don't get to see him anymore. He doesn't hang out really. Uh, so the, 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 to get one night with him is a pleasure. Um, but he had the and same he, problem. He hates every movie too. Yes, he does. But he loved this movie. Except he had one problem. The guy I went with had one problem. I believe you had this problem and I had this problem. And we all said that Dave Franco sucks. <laughs> he was terrible in the movie. And so, Aaron was trying to tell me last night that he read somewhere that the reason like Dave Franco's beard looked so bad and he acted so bad was like on purpose. Okay. I don't think so. I'm not buying it. I wasn't when it first started. Like I thought the acting was bad because it starts off in a, in a about him acting. Mm-hmm. And it shows scenes of him acting, and it's like he's a bad actor, you know. Um, but then, as it gets to all the scenes where they're supposed to have chemistry as best friends, and you know they're actually like moving to LA together and doing this whole project, it's like 
they didn't really have any chemistry. No, and that's weird because they're, they're brothers. brothers. Um, at first, I thought it was super distracting, and, and that that's why I didn't like them because they're brothers. And now all of a sudden, his love interest is his actual life, uh, wife in real life. And now their script supervisor is like their best friend in, in every movie, and you know, like it's like. I can't escape the fact that I'm watching James Franco and his brother and his brother's wife <laughs> and Seth Rogen. And, and, and it, still, as good as like James Franco, I still believe that he was, it was hard not to think, like, don't you guys know anybody else? <laughs> and I love all, like, most of those people. That's why seeing Nathan, like, in the movie was just like... Yeah. Uh, a breath of fresh air. So it's like... Just, you know, and I don't like, and I like most of their collaborations. But when you're playing other people in real life, it's a little distracting. And I was blaming his what I thought was bad acting on that, but it turns out he's just not like. As soon as it was over, I was like, "What do you think to the guys with it?" He's like, "I thought it was really good." He's like, "But I fucking hate Dave Franco." And I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "You know," I was like, "I didn't. I thought it was pretty bad, but." He's like, that guy plays the same guy in every movie. And so I started going through his like, IMDb list. And I was like, is there anything that Dave Franco's good in? Um, I thought he was... He was good in Neighbors, I guess. But he was playing, yeah, sort he was of. playing that same character. Uh, he was pretty good in 21 Jump Street, I guess. I don't even remember what he was. He was like the bad guy, right? He was one of the bad guys. Um, but, yeah, not... I, I never liked the Now You See Me movies. Do you like those movies? Yeah, but I think we'll see him. Yeah, he was in both of them. Yep. I like the first movie. Now you see me. I didn't like it, but uh, he just kind of does that stupid smile, and it doesn't work. I don't know. And so I thought, he, like, while I loved most, like, about everything else about that movie, I kind of felt like he ruined a lot of it. And I'm sorry to say that. I don't mean to be like, but I just I feel like you know James Franco is playing. Tommy Wizzo or whatever his name is, like really, I mean, it's a hard character to play because he talks like this all. And there's time. also like the, another reason why it's so hard to portray this character is there's no, it's he's such a mysterious person, right? You don't know his backstory, so you have to basically make one up because no one knows anything about him, and you know, his yeah, that's past. true. That's a good call. Um, so, so like, I felt like when they're in scenes together, like. It brings down what Franco's James Franco's doing because Dave Franco isn't committing, he isn't becoming this character the way that James Franco is, and it and it does a disservice to the job that James Franco does. Again, look, I'm the worst because I still like this movie and I'm spending half my time complaining about it, but that's kind of my thing. Um, I wish it wasn't. Well, it was a big, it was a big part. Of it. Yeah, so that's what took it from like loving it to being like, yeah, it was good. Like, you know? Yeah. Where, where do you come out? Pretty close? Yeah, I felt the same way. I mean, I do wish that the movie touched on a little bit about his past and stuff. I know that it's like there's no information about it, so you can't really do it. But I feel like for a movie, to get people to understand maybe his character a little more, I would like to have seen some sort of backstory. Well, let me ask you this. Because he just shows up. Right. And he's, you know, got a lot of money. He's got apartments in place, different places. 
So this this is what I think about that. Like, so how we had explained the room in the beginning to people who haven't seen the movie The Room. Yeah. Um, if you've never seen The Room or you don't know about this whole thing, this whole movie experience, that is your first time in or like having that having discovered who this Tommy Wiseau guy. Um, I think. I think that that decision did not go into his like life um, allows people who to experience that for the first time. Like the first time we saw the room, and you start like being like, "What is this guy?" You know, and you start asking people, and you look up stuff, and that's the story you get. So since we've already had that experience, we want more. We're like, "Well, wait a second. I wish you would learn who the guy is." But most of America hasn't. Okay, like, yeah, I'm not you know, looking at it from that end. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not saying... I, I didn't think about it until yeah. you just said it, but, like, North America hasn't had that experience of, who is this guy? What is this? You know, like, <laughs> that we've had. Yeah. And so, I, my guess is that's why they do that rather than trying to dig deep. Um, because it it is an entertaining, interesting thing, you know? Um, He's also a crazy person. Like, uh, James Franklin was talking about how, because someone asked him about how he mastered the accent. And he said that Tommy, like, literally records everything he says and does. So there was a mo, you know, there was a little thing about that in the movie where he went around and filmed everybody. He would shoot 12 hours a day and then watch the footage from that day. Guy never slept. But. He had all these audio tapes on, like, uh, what do you call those, like, little microphones? And he would go into his car, and he would just, like, vent about everything that was going on in his life for the day. And, what is it, Peter? Was that his name? The guy who uh, who Dave Franco was playing stole all the tapes. Oh, really? Where it, like, and basically... His name is Greg. Greg. Stole all the um, tapes... And with permission from Tommy, gave him to James Franco to listen to. So James Franco was listening to like all this crazy shit about like stuff that he probably doesn't want anyone to hear about. Right. You know him talking shit about people and you know stuff like that. Um, well, he he was at the gala, Tommy Wiseau, and it was funny because we we're sitting there, and I I think I told you this. Somebody came up to him and said, "Hey, man." I'm like a really... I, I love the room. Can I get a picture with you? And he was like, yeah, sure, sure. And then I watched like five to like eight other people watch this guy take a picture and then they all think that they can now take a picture yeah. with him. Yeah, it took Once this... Once you break the ice. Right, and it took this guy... Look, and I was like, oh, poor Tommy Wizzo. And my friend's like, that's probably the one guy that wants people to come and take a picture with him. But like, I just want to say, if... If you if you see somebody who got up the nerve to go ask like a celebrity for a picture, like they did all the legwork. Don't try to capitalize it on you. You know yeah. it doesn't. It's not an open invitation for everybody. You lost. That guy got there and asked. Yeah. Yeah. Let let the people go on in their way. That's that's just what I think. Unless he's welcoming. Right. You well, can, you know, right. You know, you can always tell if someone's like, yeah, sure, I'll take a picture with everybody. Yeah. Um, they said at the first screening, which was South by Southwest. That after the movie, they gave Tommy, like, a huge... Like, he was just, like, the star, you know, like... And he he told James Franco that that was the first time he'd ever felt, like, good. Not good, but, like, the applause was was for genuine. 
Yeah. I guess. That they, like, really liked him. And it wasn't, like, a sarcastic cheer. Like, this guy's a mess. We'll, but we love this. We'll take a picture with him. So he had, like, something to say on social media. But, like, that was the first time that he actually felt... That's cool. That it was, like, genuine. So good. Um, so, awards movie. Mm. What are we thinking? I don't think it's good I mean, they're, to... like, pushing this thing hard. Yeah. I, I mean, you... you I don't know if it'll happen, but you could see Franco get it. J- uh, James Franco getting nominated, right? Not Dave Franco. Probably not Dave Franco. <laughs> um, unless, again, unless of course I missed the whole thing, the whole point of it, but I don't think so because everyone I talk to seems to have the same one hang up about it. I also want to say, like, I really like Dave Franco's wife, Allison Brie. Yeah, she's good. I think she's awesome. Um, and I think it's weird that she's in scenes acting with him, and she's good, and he's not. It's got to be kind of weird. Well, she's in like three scenes. I understand, but, um, um, but yeah. So no, I I can see him maybe getting nominated, maybe. Well, you think there's a screenplay, adapted screenplay? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't see it winning or getting nominated for anything. But I like it. You know, it's a good it's it's like a good story and I like it's like the underdog making the the movie thing, but it's not anything that different. You know, we've seen that story before. I mean this is a different way of telling it, but yeah. it's not um it's your basic, you know, underdog I wanna make it in Hollywood story that we've seen that a bunch of times. It's just got a different way of how it turned out because you're dealing with, you know, I, I I like that again. Tommy as a character just because it's not a normal character you'd get in things. Yeah, um, it's like, you know, it's like watching Napoleon Dynamite. There's just like a guy yeah. you don't. Anyway, um, in the room, like Kristen Bell says it the best, where she's like to end, I guess, to end this conversation. She's like, if you told the greatest directors. To do everything wrong in a movie, it wouldn't be as perfect as this movie. <laughs> um, but anyway. So, so cool. So yeah, that was that movie. And now... We saw Justice League, another award-winning film. Well, before we get into it, I, I again, I, t- I had 11 notes, and this is my first. I wanted, before we start, I wanted to thank, um, thank the gentleman sitting behind us for letting us all watch the movie in his living room, apparently. Uh, apparently, he thought we were all sitting there in his living room watching this movie. He was he he let us know his thoughts on every trailer. Yeah, he's a big fan of. Um, he he doesn't know about whatever movie we were watching uh, the trailer for, but he's a big fan of Tin Cup and Bull Durham. So he's in on whatever that movie is. Oh, that movie looked terrible. Yeah, um, but um, he really liked the Deadpool trailer, which he wasn't did. even a trailer. No. He uh, he he did not. What, what was he not in on? There's like I mean in, Samson. Sam, who's, who's in on Samson? I don't know who's in on that movie. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to thank that gentleman for letting us all sit with him and letting him like you know it was a good thing he was there to let us know plot plot points before they happened. You know what do you know about Samson? I've never heard of it. Well, he's a mythical figure. Figure. I don't. I've never heard of him. I, you know, like, here's what I know about Samson. Why isn't there a P in the middle of his name? <laughs> That's all I know. 
It's Sam. Dude, he's the guy who's got the power, but it's if you cut his hair, he doesn't have the power anymore. Never heard of him. Okay. It's he like, had to hold up a boulder, didn't he? What kind of mythology? Is it Greek mythology? Is it? Is I it? I guess I think. I don't know Bible stuff. Look it up. Um, All I know is if you cut his hair, he loses his power. I'd never heard of Samson in my entire life. Um, let's see. Oh, it's uh okay. So that's like a Bible. That's a biblical thing. Great. They're making a movie with no one in it. Yeah, it's not going to make any money. Um, so this gentleman let us know just to just to end it with him. Um, when key characters were entering the story, like a cop car pulls up because it's going to be Lois Lane. (laughs) So thank you for that, sir. Thank you. I was afraid I was going to have to enjoy this on my own, but uh, yeah, I I just don't know what compels somebody to to yell that much during a movie. Yeah, I don't. Like, get it. He really enjoyed it. I'll just say that. Like, there was a point when somebody, I think Superman shows up and he's like, oh, yeah. You know, like, (laughs) he was, uh, I went, got up, I couldn't take it anymore. I went to the bathroom and I had to, like, I had to. You got up, like, like, a really pivotal part. I know, but I just had to see what this guy was. That was, like, half the reason I got up. I could have held it. But I had to walk by to see who is this asshole that was just yelling things the entire time. Uh, well, let's just go ahead and say that this movie was made for him. It wasn't like, made for him. He's the audience. So I kind of felt like maybe this is more your place than mine, buddy. Um, I'm really interested because we haven't talked about this at all. And as I said, you're a bit of a Superman movie apologist, uh, DC apologist, if you will. So where um, what what's, what do you got what do you got going on in your head about this movie? <laughs> um. Well, we know that Zack Snyder, like, left the show because uh, he had some personal problems. And uh, Josh Whedon came in and basically reshot a lot of the movie. And you could tell that there was two different directors. Um, yeah, there was some comedy and then there was some... I didn't hate the movie. Okay. Um, there was so many problems with the movie, though. Like... Okay, you're opening on one of the worst sets I've ever seen. I mean, how bad was that set with the Batman fighting the thing? And then it cuts to, like, Wonder Woman in, like, a real-life location, and it just didn't match. Oh, that happened a lot in this movie. Uh, When they introduced Aquaman, like... I have a lot of problems with Aquaman. There was, like, like cracks in the green screen, like, popping through. There weren't, but, like, you could tell... Like, that we're sitting in, like, Burbank or somewhere, you know, like, and this is supposed to be, like... The whole storytelling in the beginning of the movie was just terrible. There was nothing, like, there was no flow to it. It was just, like, bouncing around a scene, a scene, a scene. And uh, they were trying to establish all these characters. I felt like there was, like, a way to more organically, like, do it. Yeah, okay, so here's what I was thinking of when that happened. I was thinking of, like... That when they remade, um, was it The Magnificent Seven recently with Chris Pratt and Denzel? Yeah. And how they didn't give any of these people a backstory. They, within five minutes, they had seven people. Um, <laughs> like, this Indian shows up to kill them all, and then he starts eating his horse. They're like, this guy's with us. And then cut to the next scene, and they're all walking, you know, together. <laughs> um, 
this they tried to give some backstory, but none of them work. And I don't know if it's because they're setting things up for like later. Like, you know, there's a reason you put Billy Crudup in jail. Yeah, the acting too, like in that scene when you, they were establishing Barry Allen, which is awful. Yeah, like were they really? Was he really in the jail for a long time? It didn't. It felt like he just got there. And like at at the end when he goes back to visit him in jail and he holds a piece of paper up, he got a job. Why didn't they just get out? Why didn't they just his, solve get, it? Why didn't they just get his dad out of jail? Like that's what I thought it'd be like. Hey, you're getting out of jail. Why don't they just solve the crime? Anyway, um, um, I'm sure that's gonna that's laying out there to be used at a different time. Here's my main question. Okay, why is Aquaman in the movie if you're not gonna have anything with water at the end for him to do? Just because I guess he's popular in the DC world. I don't know. He needs to be in the water. Yeah. I mean, the final fight should have had some sort of water element so that he could uh, like contribute. It's an impossibility to put water in the third act of a Zack Snyder film because everything is on fire at all times. That's true. <laughs> There's always a giant CG yeah. uh, like villain with fire everywhere. It's kind of impossible. Well, that's what I was thinking. Uh, you know, when I watched that Spider-Man movie, what was good about it was well, one of the things that was good about it was that it wasn't like this guy that's destroying like an entire world that has to be CG and have. I know that if you have these huge cast movies, you have to make the stakes a lot higher. Right. But there's got to be a smaller version of the movie that doesn't have to, in turn, you know, doesn't have to be that the destruction of Earth, you know? I 100% agree with you, and I thought about it, too, because the first thing... Every movie is that. Yeah. And the, look, you're preaching to the choir right now. That's my biggest problem. Is even with the like even with Marvel movies, it seems like it always comes down. The third act of every one of these movies is a giant CGI battle creature villain fighting everybody to stop the Earth from getting destroyed. Right, and it's always the stakes. And I was thinking about this the same way that okay, so it really made me. This movie really made me miss like Superman one. The Christopher yeah. Reeve movie, you know, that was Lex Luthor. That was, you know, but also like the subtleties of like the Superman character, like they bring him onto the screen with like ease and like you know he gets like all like you see his power coming in. This one, it just Superman just shoots up in the air and he's there and he starts fighting all of his friends. Yeah, there's so nothing I, subtle about anything in this movie. Like, like the costumes, even in there, Man of Steel, like the first movie, like you know when he was learning how to like fly and that whole scene, that was like what we need for all these characters. All of a sudden, everyone's just got powers, and you know, like nothing's really established. It's just like, all right, we're here with powers. <laughs> and then Barry Allen, they like establish that he can get hurt. That one scene where he slices his leg, yeah. But then, like, in the final fight, it gets thrown against a wall, yeah. and he, like, gets up, and it's fine. It's like, you're, what, what are boundaries are we setting up? Um, so, all right, so... Why are we, also, why are we foreclosing on the farm? What was the point of that storyline? Clark Kent's mom loses her house just so they can have the end where 
Batman like buys the house. Right. Well, I think also it was probably to give Lois Lane something to do besides mope. You know, she didn't do anything. Right. But she at least it made her talk to a part of the story. This is another note I wanted to go into. Her wig was terrible. Amy Adams? Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice. Um, I don't like Amy Adams's... I like Amy Adams. I don't like Amy Adams' Lois Lane. I don't. There's no nuance to that character whatsoever. She is... There. She doesn't do anything wrong. Like, she is just there to help tell the story. She doesn't... You know, there's no... Like, Margot Kidder was, like, awesome. You know? She's like a... She's not like a she cursed, she smoked, you know, she, yeah. like, there was, there was something to that character more than just, oh, I love Superman, and I love Clark Kent, and I know everything. It's like, there's no... Steps out of the car. Stop the fight! Yeah. What was laying here, guys? Stop the fight! So, let's just, let's just do the story of what happens in this movie real quick. So, they kind of, like, it's... So Batman gets the gang together of Wonder Woman because he sees that all these like like alien things are searching right. the world for these boxes yeah. that have power. I mean, this is a stupid story too. That there's three boxes. They're trying to find those boxes, and so this thing comes. It's uh, and why did they just randomly open? Like they've been dormant for oh because he Superman died. The Superman died, and the world's a bad place now. Um, it's really talking about our times and right now. So then the boxes, because Superman's not there, like break open. Yeah. So he, he like randomly just he, break this open. guy can so um, Steppenwolf can come out because Superman's dead and um, and the world's living in uh, the world's a bad place right now. So he he feels like he can come out and take over again. And so, even the whole opening with like them trying to show how the world was a different place was so poorly executed. What like when when you're when they show like a tracking shot and there's a newspaper on the ground that says Superman is dead. No, how about the guy just the kicking cover. over the fruit stand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I'm a bad guy. I kick over fruit stands. I thought the same thing. And he's just like, ah! He just starts screaming. <laughs> I mean. So the movie is basically Batman. <laughs> the world's terrible. People are ruining fruit. <laughs> so Batman gets um, he gets Wonder Woman because he's already got like a relationship with her. Um, he gets the Flash. Who, he, he knows from the last movie, that, right? Where all the people are, right? Uh, he gets the Flash. Um, Bionic Man is or that, Cyclops? No, is that what is that what his name is? Cyclops. I think so. I, I don't remember. I, I, I honestly uh, didn't know. I actually like that character a lot. Interesting. Okay, we're gonna get there. And then, although they they did misstep, I thought the Cyclops character, like at the end when he started messing with the uh, the boxes and like got all the power, and the Steppenwolf guy was like, "See how it feels." Like I felt like they should have elaborated on that a little bit so that maybe. The Cyclops guy, um, like, turns bad for a minute. Okay. It is Cyclops, you're right. Because he feels the power power of it. I I have a feeling that was probably somewhere in the script and got cut out. Because they kept, like, referring referring to it, like, Mm -hmm. where he's like, I hear the alien voices. He kept saying, he's like, I don't know if I'm, and the one guy, I think Aquaman's like, we don't even know if this guy's good. He might be a bad guy. Yeah. Um... Uh, so they get all these 
to get the whole gang together to go fight this Steppenwolf. Um, and then they realize they can't do it, so they resurrect Superman, who beats them all up. They can't do it. Superman's the only one that can basically beat anything. And uh, so then they go off to fight without Superman, and you know you can probably guess how they defeat this the Steppenwolf. Well, that was the worst. Like Superman, <laughs> like shows up, and then like beats, punches Steppenwolf, and he goes like the thing like falls all the way down, and then he just comes back under. He goes, "How can I help?" How about you keep continuing to beat that guy up? That's what we want you to do, is kill that dude. Yeah. Um, Not just bunch him once and then come up to me and say, what can I do? <laughs> You're like the best superhero. Beat the shit out of that thing. Um. <laughs> That's what we want you to do. We're getting our ass kicked out here. So, all right, so here's some, some questions that I had um, about this, some of my notes. Why was Superman not in the trailer? Because they're trying to hide if whether... I know. But it's, it's not a big reveal. It's not like... You, you know, know, Justice League can't be Justice League without Superman. Right. So, but if, if that's the case, you're going to hide him from the trailer. Why not make his entrance a little more... Cinematic? Yeah, like, make it a... It, make it count. Like, you're not hiding... Like, it's like, there's ten minutes of story dedicated to... We're going to bring Superman into this movie. It would have been cool if, like, they did the whole resurrection, but he didn't wake up right away. Yeah. Or he was in, like, some sort of cocoon where it was... Because I believe in, like, the comics, and I'm going to probably be wrong about this, but when they resurrect Superman from the story that they told in Batman versus Superman or the death of Superman, he has, like, a suit that keeps him... Because he's got that hole in his body that keeps him alive. He just shows up with a suit. I mean, what, what happened to his suit? Like, where did he get it? Right. It could have been a little bit more, like, better told. Let me ask you this. So I'm looking at the IMDb page right now of Justice League. Who do you think has the highest star meter? Wonder Woman. Right. She's at 21. Who do you think is second? Ben Affleck? Jason Momoa at 25. There's no way that Aquaman movie is going to be good. So who's third? Ezra Miller, The Flash, is 97. Fourth is Amy Adams. Fifth is Henry Cavill. And sixth is Ben Affleck. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Amber Heard's in there ahead of Ben Affleck as well. And she's only in it for a second. Um, anyway, um, my next question um, is, is this the worst bat suit? Like, this is not a good Batman suit. It just looks stupid. Like, I don't know why they decide to add abs into everybody's, like, yeah. suits now. Um, but also, like, you know, there's, like, this, like, I know Ben Affleck's a bigger guy than probably most of the people that have played Batman. But it's so, it doesn't look right. Um, there's a scene where he's, like, hurt. Which yeah, obviously like, never he comes, takes off his stuff. Which never comes back again. Also, no, he's like, she's like, why do you keep doing this? And he, she's trying. He's trying to. This was definitely a Josh Whedon thing, and like a, probably a Warner Brothers thing. He's trying to like pass off because usually Batman was kind of like the leader in Justice League, right? Um, in like the co- in the cartoon, um, 
he's trying to they're trying to pass it off to Wonder Woman now that it's Wonder Woman's so huge. Yeah. Um you're right, that's probably a, a late note. Um but I just don't so anyway when they, they cut to him taking off his suit to show the bruises. This person is so jacked and thin that they cut to whoever they were showing. And then they cut back to Ben Affleck and he's kind of like just wide. And I'm not even saying he's like fat. He's just a bigger guy. He's like C.T. Um, yeah, like he's got the, you know, and he's, it just doesn't work. <laughs> and I, you know, I liked in the Superman vs. Batman, I did not like that movie at all. You like that movie, don't you? I thought it was all right. It was horrible. But they threw too much shit in there. But we're not going to talk about that. Um, but uh, you know, I thought that Ben Affleck at least was a pretty good Batman in that movie. I don't think he had any of that charisma in this movie. I feel like they took that a lot of that away. Not that he was bad. I don't like stupid jokes. Like, what's your superpower? I'm rich. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like it, it's like. It's like it's written by, and I know Josh Whedon wrote, but like, it's like a guy who vacations with these characters. It's not like a guy who lives with these characters, you know. Like, yeah. um, I want to know how Aquaman found them. Like, he just randomly shows up in that first fight. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. They keep relying on jokes about these people to make you like them. Like, that's the only thing that connects the audience to the characters. Like, I heard you talk to fish. You know, that keeps coming up because everyone's like, what, is, what does Aquaman do? Um, and then he tried to, like, to like, I think, like, one of the notes was, like, what does Aquaman do at the end? Like, because there's no water. But he goes, I'll listen to the water. And if I see any, uh, I hear any, like, currents changing, I'll know where, to, where the Steppenwolf is. But really, the bionic guy, like, ends up finding them. Right. At the power plant. Um, so, you did not like the Aquaman character. No. I liked the character. I thought he was good. He was he, At least he was charismatic. Jason Momoa, like... He, I, yeah, he, I liked he the scene the scenes. lasso, where he had the lasso. Yeah, and in the scenes he was in, like, you know, he his character, he owned his scenes. He did, you know, he did well. Um, so I give that some hope. Is there any other character out of this? I like the Flash. Okay. That's... I'm interested to see a Flash movie. You are? If they take it in, like, the Spider-Man Homecoming way, where he's younger. Because he is kind of like a young kid. I like when that whole scene with Batman, where he's like, listen, I don't fight things. I, right. I, I just push somebody every now and then. He's yeah. Like, you know, he's like, well, you don't have to use your powers that way. You can just save people. Right. I like that whole conversation. Yeah, that was good. I think that they can make a good Flash movie. Yeah, okay. Um, what about um, what about Cyclops? Could he have his own movie? No. Okay. Um, who should be, since ben, apparently Ben Affleck is stepping down, who should be the next Batman? I know, they're saying Jake Gyllenhaal, but I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal could play Bruce Wayne. That's what you have to like... Oh, that's interesting. You have to play... Because I was like, when you just said that, I was like, yeah, I like that. And then you're right. I don't know about him as, as Bruce Wayne. That's the the character that you need to find. Like, the person who plays Batman needs to be a better Bruce Wayne. You know what I mean? Interesting. Okay. I don't know. I'd have to, like, come back to you with some... All right. So, but he's definitely stepping down? 
No, not definite. It's not definite. All right. Um, I, I know one way to keep him in is set up a relationship with Batman and Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You know? Yeah. If you're like, dude, I get to have romantic scenes with Gal Gadot, I'm, I'm in. Um, yeah. yeah. You just tell me when to sign up. I'm so... I, I have... I mean, I'm sure that everybody does. I'm sure you do, specifically, but I... She's on screen. I can't look at anything else. Like I'm, I'm fully, I fully have the hots for Wonder Woman. Yeah, she's very attractive. But she's like a bat. Like she's, she's awesome. I know. There's like this whole like internet backlash of like Zack Snyder and his Amazon women costumes. Oh yeah. Uh, I had someone who will remain nameless on Facebook write, "Men." In today's news on men ruin everything. <laughs> and then she showed a picture of, like, the Amazon costumes, and they're all, like, basically wearing nothing. And I was like, all right, let's take it down a bigger. Can I take a sidebar on this on this men ruining everything thing? <laughs> this We may have to cut this out. But, no, I just, want, I just want to ask this one question. I brought it up last night. So, like, all this sexual harassment stuff's going on with men. And this is nothing to do with that. Um... And it's totally That's true. Where it's, it's all coming from. And it's totally men being awful people. Like, it really is. It's like... But it's a few people. But it's every day... Everybody. All right, but listen. So every day there's a new story about somebody coming out and doing this. At the same time, every day there's a new story coming out where a woman is sleeping with one of her high school students. Yeah. Like, what is going on there? There's. I talked to you about this like a long, long time ago, and I was like... Dude, let's talk about how people are having sex with high school students. You're like, does that happen a lot? And I'm like, it happens all the time. It's like every In day. In Texas, people get off because the age is like of consent is like 16 or something. Right. So they're having sex, but it's like they don't get charged with anything. And I'm not saying men aren't doing it. I'm just saying this seems to be a real big yeah. woman with, with young boy problem. Um, that South Park with when they do that is like the best where they go Ike basically is the little brother is having sex with the teacher and oh like, right and they're like a kid's having sex with his teacher and uh, he's like yeah he's like alright where's he at no he's having sex with his his female teacher and, and the cops are like nice yeah and then I think that's part of... And I was trying to figure out, is that why we hear only about the female students with the young male versus... Or is this a gender problem? You know, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I just wanted to bring it up because, like, every day... I was listening to, I think, Simmons was talking about it. He's like... He was talking with somebody. He's like, do you remember what it used to be like to wake up in the morning and, like, look forward to your day? And now you just wake up and you're like, okay, what happened? And you like, I swipe... Like we were talking about early last week, look at my phone and see the news, and I'm like, you know, it's like <laughs> sexual allegation against man. Trump did this stupid thing, and then the third story is always, and woman has sex with a 16 year old kid in her high school class. It's becoming like a regular thing. It's almost like, um, anyway, back to back to something that has nothing to do with any of that. <laughs> what else is your note? How great is Jeremy Irons' job in this movie? How many days do you think he shoots? <laughs> Jeremy Irons' job for like two or three days. He's in like six scenes where he's sitting behind the same desk, like, being like, you got it, Bruce. Why does... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Why does Jeremy Irons need to be on the elevator when they go up to the ship? I don't know. And then it he's seems just a like, little dangerous. And he's like there, and then they jump up, and he's like, Psh. yeah. He just goes back down the elevator. I was thinking, like, you know, I, I heard someone saying, like, how did they get Jeremy he, Irons to be in this movie? He like, brought a one or he brought a Lois Lane to the Superman. It's true. But people are like, you know, how do they get him to be in this? It's like, because the guy doesn't have to do anything the entire time. Yeah. And he probably gets paid an enormous amount of money to, to do nothing. Yeah. But I was thinking, that has to be one of the best, cushiest acting jobs in Hollywood, to be uh, Alfred in these movies. Um, how many times did you think about the Saturday Night Live skit of Superman's funeral in this movie? <laughs> oh. No, I didn't think about it at all. That's all I can think about. It, it, it came up about six times for me. Anytime the Flash was involved, all I thought about was when Adam Sandler played the Flash. And all said, I could do is run. Real all fast. I can do is run real fast. Superman can do everything. Chris Farley, Hulk, not good with words. <laughs> and then he puts on his glasses and he's like, he says this whole elaborate <laughs> speech. Um, how many times did Aquaman Hen- brings like all the shrimp? Yeah. <laughs> the shrimp cocktail platter. Yep. Um, how many times did Henry Cavill uh, stop doing an American accent as Superman? When he first when he first gets resurrected, he is in full European, I think it was a London accent, I don't know. He was like in a full other movie. Speaking of that, <laughs> what was with the opening shot of the iPhone... I don't know. That was it was a horrible, horrible way to start this. Movie. And it wasn't just. It was like another like non subtle way to show how the world misses Superman. Right, but it was like so. It was so poorly executed because it like. This is the first thing we're seeing. Yeah, when it comes on screen. But like, okay, so they did that with Spider Man, right? Spider Man opened the same way. Yeah, but like, it worked. Yeah. It, it, it meant something. It was like it was, it was well done. We knew the characters talking. It wasn't just, yeah. you know, um, the most obvious stand-in for young girls. To, you know, it was uh, yeah. I don't know. That that's a good, it's a good question. And I think that that's my eleven notes from scattered throughout the whole thing. I mean, so you apparently hated it. Oh, I, I, you know, it's funny because I haven't even given a review of it yet. Uh, I. I liked it more than I thought I was going to, uh, but I did not like it, no. But I'm not going to, I mean, I, again, I, <laughs> I have so, I so have the hots for Wonder Woman that anything she's in, like, I'm like giving it a chance more than I would normal movies. Um, I didn't like the cyborg character. Um, I just thought that was stupid. I don't know what cyborgs like in real life. Or real life. In, like, the real comics. <laughs> but in this, he was... Everything that they didn't have a way to figure out how to move the plot, he could do. So, like, how are we going to change this? Oh, this guy Cyborg can probably just do that if he just puts his, like, claws and his, his hands into this. It's like, oh, yeah, all right, that'll he work. Could, he could drive the Batmobile because he's can imitate the... Uh I get it, but I just I feel like no, it was a convenient. Ca- yeah, right. He's a convenient character. Like, we're like I don't know how we're gonna get out of this jam. Oh, I know. We'll just say that this Cyclops guy can do this well. And, and um, how about when Ben Affleck was fixing the uh, or building the 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 whatever the spider thing? Yeah. What the hell was that? The Nightcrawler. Yeah. Um, he. 
yeah, Batman. I don't know. Like this, that's not the Batman that we know or like. Like the guy's like, all I know is I got to do what's good in the world. You know, that's not Batman. Batman's like about revenge and and that kind of shit. You know, it's like they're they're just kind of like ruining these characters. Like between him, between. But then you see like some dialogue, like when they're on the plane. And Bruce Wayne's talking about Superman and how, like, much he was, like, he was, like, the real person and I'm just, like... Yeah. Not doing they had, like, stuff like that they were trying to, like... You're right. And the problem with these movies is that's that would be the interesting stuff. You're yeah. right. That's a good point. Um, but they don't follow up on it. It's, it's a good line that just gets thrown away. Would it be a better movie if it was just them getting together? Like, figuring out how they got all together? Or are we past that? I don't know. You can't do that because you have to have the big fight scene. Like, that's the thing that sells... They fought Superman. Yeah. Um, what about... Alright, so I'm going to keep going down... Uh, I don't know where I stand on The Flash. Like, I get why you like the character. I, I do. Um, I don't know. He's just... I couldn't sit through an hour of stuff on just the Flash. I don't think, but he was good. He was a he provided some. I don't even say comic relief. Just he took the air out of like a lot of the scenes when the in this movie's taking itself too seriously. I thought his character did a good job of bringing. Here, it down. Here's like a really dumb observation, but he doesn't look like a Barry. <laughs> um. When I look at him and someone says Barry, he doesn't look like a Barry. All right. Um, and the last is is Aquaman. I, I I liked Aquaman. I agree with you. Like, what's the point of of him in this movie? But um, I I would probably I'll probably go see the Aquaman movie. I'm going to see the Aquaman movie, but it's there's no way that's good. Well, you know what they're going to probably do is they're going to probably do the same thing. They they're going to probably take whatever formula they had for Wonder Woman and move it to. Uh, where is he from? Aquaman? Atlantis. Atlantis. So instead of the Amazonia, it's going to be Atlantis, and it's going to be the same sort. Like you could see it already happening when they go down to visit his like home world. Like it's going to be the same kind of thing, um, and it's not going to work as well because there's something that that really resonated with people about a bunch of Amazonian women like fighting and, and doing shit. That's not going to matter with like mer- mermen. <laughs> Merman. <laughs> So, um, all right, yeah. So, so we got one last thing, right? One last thing. So, uh, are not on doing the next thing. Well, we just said before you cut. This is your great editing. It was one last thing. One last thing. Uh, one last on thing. To the, on to the next thing. Uh, well, the reason we cut was because we've got a couple drinks that uh, came out recently by Pepsi. I don't know anything about this. It's the first I'm hearing about it. <laughs> Um, I guess for the holidays, they uh, came out with a salted caramel Pepsi. That sounds horrible. And a holiday brew, Mountain Dew. So we're going to try these. Um, Live on the air. It's going to be interesting. A lot of people have been reviewing these, so I'm just curious to see. I can already tell you that I'm probably not going to like this caramel Pepsi. There's no way that that's good. Um, um, are you do you like caramel in real life? Yeah, I like caramel. Do you ever like want it, or is it just like, like oh, do you have, like do you? No, I don't crave it. Do you like like Werther's? Like where I you like have Werther's. It? Okay, if someone gives me a Werther's, I'll eat a Werther's. Um, 
I'm not. A, I'm not a huge caramel person. So we're gonna do this like a wine tasting here. Okay. What are your first impressions? It's pretty thick. Huh? Well, you're not selling me with a brown um, label. Nothing. Nothing's usually. You know, brown isn't the thing that makes you entice you to want something. It's like. Uh, well, I guess here you go. So the glasses we're drinking out of are Jason's Tom Petty glasses and the. <laughs> Eric and Stephanie's wedding glasses. So that's what they were made for. For salted caramel. Uh, so before we drink this, what online did you read about? Were people bashing this stuff, or were people like most? It depends. There's like kids that were drinking this stuff that were like love it, and then there was like a lot of people that are just like, "Ooh, that's a weird taste." Do you want to do this at the same time, or? Well, I'm gonna smell it. You can definitely smell the caramel. Yeah. It smells like, kind of smells like flat soda. It smells like like burnt. Yeah, like like yeah. burnt like like this little burn smell to it. That's true. So we're we gonna try this. I mean, at the same time, or do you want to go one and then the other? Uh, we can do it at the same time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good radio, folks. Oh, I'm going to take another sip. Hmm. <laughs> it tastes like medicine. It tastes like, what do they call those candies? The sugar babies, I think they're called? Sugar daddies? Is it sugar no. daddy? No, sugar baby. Sugar daddy. <laughs> sugar daddy candies? I think they're called sugary. Okay. But you can definitely taste the caramel. I don't take any, taste any salt. No, but it, the soda tastes like diet. Like it doesn't. It's not you know, Pepsi's usually really sugary. Oh, this stuff is thick. I don't know how you could get through a whole bottle of this. Um, there's no way. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. I feel like we should have probably tasted this one or the Mountain Dew first. Because this like has like an aftertaste. You know what this is going to just stick around for a little bit. Have you ever had like you're not a whiskey person, but if you've ever had like Jack Daniels with honey, that's what that tastes like. Like if you've ever had like a Jack and Coke, but you got the Jack Daniels with honey. You know what this would be good. That's at? what it tastes like. It'd be like a good ice cream float. Yeah. You throw throw some ice cream on it. I could. But you're definitely right. There's a taste that will not get out of my mouth right now from it. It's like coated with my throat. I looked up Sugar Baby, and this is what came up. It's just all pictures of chicks and bikinis. Well, it's just Sugar Baby candy. I'm pretty sure you'll get a different result. <laughs> is yeah. that what Sugar yeah, Baby? Yeah, that's what it tastes like. Let me see if there was a Sugar Daddy candy. No, there's no Sugar Daddy candy. <laughs> all right, so now we're doing this. Hey, look at that. Uh, I guess it's probably a fake. All right, so this this is the Mountain Dew. Oh, that uh, is a bad that brown. I don't know about the quality brew. So this just looks watered down. It looks like um, Mountain Dew Code Red. I had a, a watered down Code. Red. I had a cup of coffee with with uh, with with Code Red. Like there was like three months of like I'm not a Mountain Dew fan at all. I know you're a huge Mountain Dew fan. Anyone that knows you knows Mountain Dew is your um, your vice. I, I, yeah. I have cut out a lot of the soda in my life. But. It's good, but but Mountain Dew, you know, uh, I got into Code Red though for like 
three months, I was like, this shit is awesome. And then I was like jacked up and feeling sick all the time. It's like, okay. I got to stop. But this is this looks a lot like Code Red. It looks very like a watermelon drink. But you're right. It does look like a watered down version of it. So what's... I don't know what's in it. Um, it does. Oh, it says Mountain Dew plus Code Red. Oh. No, wait. Ultimate Holiday Blend Dew plus Cold Red. So the label's like green and red. Oh, did you just try it? You just went in. You just tried it. Um, it's, so it's like a holiday thing. It makes me think it's going to be peppermint. Now, don't tell me what it is because you just tried it. I'm trying now. Okay. Yeah, it just tastes like Code Red. It tastes like, you know that, uh, when you're at a dance, you make that punch, and they put, like, the fizzy stuff in it? Yeah. That's what it tastes like. I'm in. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> well, I have an extra one. Yeah, good. Take it with you. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is actually pretty good. It's good. It does t- taste, it takes you back to, like... We we maybe should have introduced this a little bit better. No, we're just <laughs> drinking stuff. <laughs> um, what, what what would you add? Well, I would just would have Let's said go back and like start it up. At some point, I would have said like, all right, now what we're about to do, you know, like introduce it in some way. All right, so now what we're gonna do is we're gonna try the uh, holiday brew again in our Tom Petty glasses <laughs> as a tribute. <laughs> it does. It does. It tastes like. Like if you, like the punch you make, you know, you throw some uh, fruit punch and then like you seven throw up. Sprite or seven up in there, yeah, yeah. It's like a Shirley Temple. It is like a Shirley Temple. That is pretty good. <laughs> All right. All right. So we we'll go one for two. I'm not a fan of the salted caramel. No, me neither. I mean, I think if you put the ice cream, you make it. It's good for one use. I don't think you could drink multiples of these. I wouldn't put ice cream in the Mountain Dew holiday brew, though. No. Maybe sherbet. Or vodka. This might be good with vodka, yeah. This would be good with vodka. So maybe uh, for your Thanksgiving, a little vodka holiday brew Mountain Dew. Delicious. Um, yeah. Well, I guess that's... Uh, riveting. A great... We've agreed on all four things today. We feel exactly the same about the Disaster Artist. Pretty close to the same about Justice League. Definitely the same well, about. I think you, you. I liked Justice League a little bit more than you did. But it's we're in the same we're in the spa- same spectrum. It's weird because I was really hoping that you were going to like that movie, and I think you were going to like it, but that you'd be more apologetic for it than you are. Because honestly, I think if like. They had fixed the first twenty minutes of that movie and made it flow a little bit more. I think it would have been a easier to watch. I think that um, in the grand now we just a burp. I know in the grand scheme of uh, DC movies, um, the, the recent franchise it's it's not as as horrific as as Man of Steel or Superman vs Batman. Um, but not as good as Wonder Woman, which wasn't even really that good. But that's where I come out on this. All right. Well, maybe we'll see what's next in line for the Justice League because they do a little teaser at the end, which I won't spoil. But there it looks like there's going to be a... Well, they do They do touch on the uh, Hall of Justice. 
Yeah, they do. Um, and they bring a character in that. I wish they did ruined. that. A little, they, I wish they did that a little bit better too. The hall just—they don't even show you the outside. Yeah, that's true. They just show them walking in. You got to see that outside column. Yeah, you know? I'm hundred percent with you. Like, there was nothing. There was nothing iconic about that scene other than that they mentioned that this is going to be the Hall of Justice. Yeah, and I don't even remember them showing the outside. They just showed them walking into a building. You're right. Um, next week we're, we're going to do the Jim Carrey movie. You'll be back on the East Coast, right? I'll be on the uh, phone again. Where you? Um, where you spend Thanksgiving? Probably in Raleigh. Okay. So there's like a million people that are going to be there, supposedly. A million people where? At my uh, brother's house for Thanksgiving. Oh, all right. It's going to be a madhouse. Well, good luck with that. All right. Um, happy. Uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving Day, buddy. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Later.